Well, and if you really look at the essence of the message of all of scripture, and I'm, Jesus is very clear. He's like, people, this whole honking big old Bible thing, if you just want it in one sentence, like one word, here it is, love. And love people the way I've loved you. And what I would say is love all parts of you the way I love them. Your dreams will always require your healing. And you need to know that in order to move forward. If you feel stuck in your creativity, your art, your business, or your life, then it's essential to understand that you are being asked to heal what's in the way of you creating what you dream about. This podcast is all about the relationship between your emotional health and your creativity. I'm Courtney Lancaster, and this is the Heal Create Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Heal Create Podcast. I am Courtney, and today I have somebody that I've been so excited to talk to and whose book is one of my just top recommendations for friends and clients. And I know that this must happen to you a lot, but I want to say your name correctly. It, let me, I'm going to guess. This is my best guess. Is it Jenna Rymersma? That is so close. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's what it looks like, how it's spelled, but it's pronounced yeah. it's pronounced Remersma. Uh it's Remersma. Yeah. Jenna Remersma. Okay. Damn yeah. gosh, I thought for sure I was gonna be the first host that got it right. <laughs> Darn. Um, <laughs> Jenna is well, there's so many things I would love for you actually to tell us a little bit about what you do and who you are. Is that okay? Sure. Yeah, I'd love okay. to. A fun piece of my story that I literally never talk about, but you and I just mentioned because of what you do, is that years and years and years ago, uh, back in the day when I was working on Capitol Hill and doing something very different than I'm doing now, um, I went to a very large evangelical church in the Washington, D.C. area and was a worship leader there. So amazing. Yeah. yeah. Which I cannot wait to talk to you about. And that is not currently what you're doing now, but that's where you started. Correct. I um, yeah. I am a therapist now and a trauma specialist and an internal family systems um, certified therapist and clinical consultant. And um, my just greatest passion is helping people understand the struggles that are happening inside of them and to find freedom um, in ways that also help them to access their creativity and their authentic spiritual connection to the divine. Amazing. Yeah. And you have a book. Um, well, you have at least two that I know of, two books, All Together You and All Together Us. Uh, All Together You is the book that I always recommend. Internal Family Systems is a therapeutic modality that helps people understand themselves in parts. You can interject at any point if I get anything wrong. Um, and it was, <laughs> okay. And Richard, Richard, I almost said Richard Rohr, Richard Schwartz, was um, the one that kind of discovered this happening in his in his clients. And you have, um, is that like your main modality or the main place that you teach from and work from clients from? I know that you have a lot of different trainings and certifications and all kinds of things, but is that your main sort of focus? 
Well, I have super nerdy parts that love to learn. (laughs) And so in, in keeping with my nerdy parts, when I became a therapist, I went out and got all the trainings because how much more fun could you have than to learn all the things? Right. And they're all wonderful and amazing. And then I found IFS Uh and it completely rocked my world. It changed everything for me personally and completely changed the way I do therapy. I found it to be so incredibly effective and also free of any judgment or shame. And uh, so it immediately became my primary modality and I integrate it with everything. But IFS is the way I see the world. Once you put on IFS glasses, you just can't take them off. You can't unsee it. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, it's so true. Can you explain a little bit about what Internal Family Systems is? Sure. It's basically the idea that all of us have a core authentic self that is Mm -hmm. our deep connection to our authentic spirituality and to the greater divine. And then we all have many different parts and all of our parts are good. They make up our own unique personalities. So we all have different kinds of parts, but they're all good. And we come into the world with this wonderful core authentic self and these wonderful parts, and then things happen. And sometimes they're big, big things. Um, Sometimes it's sexual abuse, verbal abuse, neglect, abandonment, divorce. Um, And sometimes they're things that might not seem as large to some people, but land very painfully in our systems. And that could be things like bullying or frequent moves or having a sibling with a chronic illness, um, just mm. things that we might not think about in in such an impactful way, but they leave a very significant impact on the parts of us and our parts become burdened with those mm. painful experiences. And it is the burdens that create our suffering and our our conflicted behaviors and places where we get stuck. It's why we do what we don't want to do. And Mm -hmm. it's not because our parts are bad. It's because they're carrying this burden. And in our clinical work, I would call it the burden of trauma. Mm -hmm. And in sort of many spiritual communities, we call it the burden of sin. But Mm -hmm. it basically means things are not the way that they should be. Yeah, And when we're not held and tended and kept safe and our needs met in the way that we were designed to be, our parts become burdened. And that is where all of our challenges stem from. And it's also the solution that we can be in relationship to these different parts of us and ultimately help them unburden. Yes, absolutely. I'm glad that you brought up the Christian language might be for that because... I think for a lot of people, and maybe you've noticed this too, but there are a lot of people deconstructing their Christian faith in the last few years. I mean, obviously, this is always we're always wrestling with our faith, but there's almost been a movement of of deconstruction. And for myself, that was a really, really big and important part of my healing was to kind of step back and be like, what is this? Like, what <laughs> what are what are we actually? What does this mean? And I feel like I became severely allergic towards like sin (laughs) and um, all the shame that that came with. And especially understanding that trauma is really what brings up these adaptive, you know, habits and these 
young parts of us are the ones that are trying to act on our behalf to get our needs met and sometimes in very unhelpful ways. And in no angle of that was I able to see anything as uh, in, in the intent for evil or bad. It was all like trying to get our needs met. Mm-hmm. Do you notice when you're working with Christians resistance to that idea of seeing sin in a different way? Yeah, I think that um, many people who have been around faith communities do have this um, association with the word sin that carries with it a lot of kind of judgment and condemnation. Um, I think the word has kind of transmuted in some faith communities to mean you are bad. Yeah. Um, Kind of with the finger wag happening at the same time. And if we really look back at the Greek, what it means is missing the mark means things Mm -hmm. are not the way they should be. And Mm -hmm. um, when that is the case, our systems, our inner systems, our inner worlds become burdened and we then become imbalanced. We're not internally operating the way that we would like to be. And it isn't Mm -hmm. because we're bad or even Mm -hmm. that the parts of us that are engaged in those feelings and behaviors are bad. It means that they're carrying, they're stuck underneath this Mm -hmm. burden that has obscured our access to their fundamentally positive qualities. The problem Mm -hmm. is the burden, not that part of us. And um, the problem, in other words, is trauma. The problem is that the state of the world has not, we have not been able to engage with the world the way that it was designed to be. And that has burdened the different parts of us. That's not an excuse. We are still completely responsible for our behavior. But what it is, is it is a much more successful answer to healing than the approach that we typically take. What we typically do is we try to move against Mm -hmm. the parts of ourselves and the parts of others that we don't like. So Mm -hmm. I have a part that likes to eat Oreo cookies, not going to lie, just keeping it real. And (laughs) there's another part of me that's quite upset at the part that wants to eat all the Oreo Oreo cookies. It would like me to fit in my jeans. And it tries to move against the Oreo cookie part and lock it in the basement. And, you know, maybe that works for like a day or an hour. And then the Oreo cookie part jumps back out and eats the whole box of cookies. And it's unsuccessful. And Mm -hmm. then they get into this escalating war with each other. And Mm -hmm. um, hence our whole sort of diet industry that takes a move against attitude or approach toward um, certain parts of us that Mm -hmm. are undesirable or um, let's look at public policy and the way that we handle nation states globally that right. aren't doing what we want. Well, you don't have to look too far to see that most people move against one another mm-hmm. and the result is war. So whether it's warring inside of ourselves or warring outside of ourselves, it is making our suffering worse when we yes. move against. Move and against of course, it. at the time yeah. of this recording, we're in the middle of primary season Uh, for the presidential race. And there's nothing that's more move against than a, uh, than a political race. And of course our suffering is compounding, but IFS with this key understanding that we all have this core um, essential, authentic divine self inside of us, it moves toward all parts of ourselves with curiosity and compassion so that they can become unburdened Mm -hmm. and heal and moving toward Mm -hmm. turns out to be much more effective than moving against. 
Yes. Yeah. And do you mind if I ask you, what is the Oreo cookie eating part of you trying to get? Well, um, I know. <laughs> like just for an example. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I love that. And I know this part of me, but I also know many similar parts of many people because as a therapist, I work with all kinds of parts. And what I can mm-hmm. say is the same thing that IFS teaches us is that all parts are well-intentioned, meaning mm-hmm. no matter what yes. behavior yeah. they're engaged in, they're trying to help us in some way. My Oreo eating part developed when I was in sort of that very awkward adolescent phase. Um, I was in a difficult place. I was bullied, um, did not have friends, had very little comfort, lots of academic pressure. And it figured out that if I stopped by TCBY on the way home from school and had a very large yogurt with M&M toppings, that I would feel a little bit of sweetness, a little bit of comfort, a little bit of soothing for just a short Mm -hmm. period of time. Mm -hmm. And so it got stuck in that behavior of trying to soothe with sweetness and Mm -hmm. trying to bring some comfort and sweetness in my life. And that's kind of a cute thing, but there's lots of other parts that are similarly trying to help that aren't really so cute And what's transformational is the ability to look at them and see the positive intent that they bring and offer them a way to get to that end state more effectively. So would it be accurate to say that maybe this, and I'm saying the cooking, we all have the cook eating parts of us or whatever it is, (laughs) whatever the case may be, the the part of us that we're like, like, why do I do this? Would it be accurate to say that that part of you maybe sometimes forgets she doesn't have to soothe in that way? Or is that correct? So that's a beautiful, um, just sort of a a question and a curiosity. And what we see is that if you can imagine a part as if it were a real entity, and Mm -hmm. the burden was like a blanket that covers it. Mm -hmm. So the part gets trapped under that blanket at the time that it is burdened. So if we lifted up the blanket of the cookie eating and peeked under at the part of me that's under that, it has, unless I've done my trauma healing work with it, it has no idea that I have grown up, that I'm not in junior high, that I don't have headgear, that I don't have the Farrah Fawcett haircut flip (laughs) and the acne. It's wildly unaware of any of that because it is trapped under this blanket. So it stays stuck in this repetitive pattern because it's not aware that it has any other options, which is why moving against it just makes it try to get stronger because it's panicked that there will be no comfort in my life. Whereas moving toward it and getting in relationship with it And that's a key piece of IFS. Our IFS lead trainer, C. Sykes, says this is about getting in relationship, not Mm -hmm. getting in control. And so what we want to do is help the part that's stuck cookie eating get into compassionate relationship with the authentic self inside of me or what one might call the image of God or Buddha nature or Atman, depending on our faith tradition. Uh And be witnessed in its experience and understood in the pain that it's carrying. And for that sort of divine center to unburden it so that it can be restored 
to its original positive quality and updated that in fact I am a 53-year-old woman with no headgear, much less hair, (laughs) (laughs) and no bullies uh, around that it needs to worry about. And so it's a really lovely updating process. And our parts genuinely don't know that there are other options. That's why they continue to do things that really hurt us. Yes. I'm thinking about the people who might be listening along, which is why I keep digging into this 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 cookie eating part now. It's <laughs> a whole thing. Yes. So what did you find, if you don't mind me asking, was the positive um, underneath the behavior, the, the, the essence of who that young part of you was? Um, playfulness. Oh, okay. Yeah. And a really interesting Mm. thing is that many people whose parts are carrying burdens, which everyone on the planet has parts that are carrying burdens. So we will not this side of death be free of all of our burdens. But um, many of us whose systems carry burdens um, don't really have a lot of access to our inherent playfulness. And it's because it's it's gotten lost under this blanket, this burden. Um, It's in there, but we don't have any access to it. And when the cookie eating and the sweet seeking is unburdened, the playfulness is able to emerge. Yeah. Which to your credit, I've listened to so many podcast interviews with you over the last couple of years, and it always strikes me how relaxed and playful you are. So she must be feeling really met in her needs, Oh, which is so cool. Of course. You said something earlier that reminded me of something that I deal with, with creatives a lot. So creatives, I have worked with, I myself am a creative and an artist. And I think, I mean, we're all creatives. We all obviously have creativity. Creativity is sort of that, the outflow of the regulated nervous system, healthy human. But I work with those who kind of identify more as artists and maybe even identify as a little swirlier and a little kind of all over the place and a little genius in their area of artistic expression. And um, I noticed a lot of things that uh, would hold them back. I mean, this is Julia Cameron, obviously, has studied this. There are a lot of like, it's not new information I found out. It's just like, wow, this really is true that creatives specifically deal with sort of the same issues. And then you add Christian creatives have all of that. And then this other layer of like confused shame around, around their own creativity and artistic expression. And if it's honoring to God, if it's the will of God and all of this stuff. Mm. So the first thing I wanted to ask you about, you talked about feeling at war within. Well, something that creatives are confronted with a lot is this idea that art is war and that it's the resistance that we have to overcome and push past that tries to keep us from creating. And I remember reading, you know, a very famous book about that um, in my own journey and being like, okay, so anytime I notice that I don't, I want to procrastinate or I don't want to, you know, write the song or I don't want to like do that. That's just this resistance, which is, I mean, it wasn't even a Christian book, but it's obviously very parallel to a Christian journey, which is there's a south side force that's trying to keep you from your destiny and moving towards what you want to move towards. So I'm wondering what you would say about that idea of like the resistance that creatives face towards moving towards their artistic expression and what, what that might actually, what might actually be happening. Mm. 
I love that. And if I'm tracking with you, the question is um, around some of the messaging that they've been getting about the, yes. the, the honoring or not so honoringness of their particular expression. Is that right? Of, of God? Yeah, <laughs> totally. And yeah. maybe what the resistance actually is, if it, it, as opposed to a force that we have to push against or move against or like push away, what might actually be happening when we experience resistance? Sure. Well, so we can go back to our original understanding of the that core authentic self. And Dick Schwartz, the developer of the model, um, discovered that it always, when it's present, it always has the same 8C qualities. So it's always calm. It's always courageous, compassionate, curious, creative, connected. It has all of these wonderful qualities. And creativity is part of the essence, the energetic essence of that divine core self. Yeah. And yeah. so it is when we are in that experience. And if you've ever had like a mountaintop experience with God or if you've ever really been in a flow state, whether it's a mm -hmm. creative flow, like the music, the song is just coming, or the painting is just, it's painting itself. That experience, it's often a little bit timeless, like time sort of stops mm -hmm. and you are in the flow. You're not really very self, you know, aware of self. It's more of a deep connection to this energetic flow. And it's so life-giving. And mm -hmm. that is self-energy. It is where creativity stems from. And when that gets blocked, it is because we have parts that are in the way. So the really cool thing about our self-energy is it's always there, kind of like the, the sun is yes. always in the sky. Yeah. But sometimes we don't have access to it. It's like the clouds covering the sun. The sun yeah. is still there, but we can't see it. We can't feel its warmth. It's not lighting things up because all the clouds are covering it. And similarly, our, our creativity is always there inside of us at our core. But if we have parts that get triggered and take us over, they come to the forefront and we no longer have access to that creativity. And typically what will happen if we get in a place like that is we start to get some parts with a polarization that come up. We may get one part that gets panicky about, oh, no, I have a deadline. I have to produce this thing by mm -hmm. this time or it's pressureful. And mm -hmm. so a part comes in that tries to force the creative process, which by forcing it blocks it by the very mm -hmm. nature of that part being present. It's blocking access to it. And we may also have a part that comes in that has a lot of negative messaging around creativity. Yeah. Um, and it, that watch out, don't be too prideful. Um, you know, yes. don't draw attention to yourself. You're, yes. don't be too much. Don't be too little. <laughs> be, be golden right, box, right, right. be just right. Yeah. <laughs> of course, that sweet one, I call those, those parts spiritualizing parts. Because they're using all the God language and they're, they sound just like mm. uh, our authentic spirituality, but they are not. They're a burdened mm -hmm. part that's using God language, God behavior, God stuff to try to protect a part of us that's carrying spiritual shame. Mm -hmm. And so their job is to get us to do it right 
so that we don't feel that spiritual shame of, oh, I'm not doing it right. God is going to be displeased with me, which is a trauma response. It is not an accurate experience of the divine because when we're connected to self, all of our parts are welcome. There is no parts are rejected and all parts are welcome exactly as they are, no matter what wonky thing they're feeling or doing and um, just embraced in this healing self energy. So when we lose access to that creativity, and of course, that's a little bit simplified. There's obviously other things that can be at play. We could be sick. We didn't sleep. We're whatever it might be, hormonal stuff, um, conflict with a a partner. Um, So there's many other parts that can get activated to block our creativity. But the beautiful thing is it flows like a fountain out of our access to self-energy. And we do not strive to connect to that. We surrender into it. Yeah. Like it's not going anywhere. We're not racing towards it. We're we're remembering and connecting and noticing that it is always there. I think what I notice most with creatives is either maybe veering on like this uh, constant frustration with like, why can't I make the things that I want to make? Or why aren't the dreams? I can't I move towards the dreams that I want to move towards or an overriding of their resistance to the point of breakdown, exhaustion, and actually hating the thing that they used to love. Ah, yes. Yes. And so you're saying that they're both parts part or the, are there parts that are, um, how would you explain like, uh, what's actually going on there? That's, there are parts that are trying to keep them safe. Yeah. Well, two different situations. Maybe I could take the resistance with that one. Yeah. Would that be a good yeah, one? Great. Okay. Sure. So what typically happens if we're noticing a part of us is resisting something. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what it is, but we're, we're noticing like, oh, you know, I'm feeling a little resistance to this. We will often get another part that tries to run over that to push through it. And so we hear these words that are very move against words. Like I'm going to overcome this resistance. I'm going to defeat my resistance. I'm going to repent of my, we get these very move against words. So what IFS would do is the opposite. IFS would actually move toward the resistance. And so I've created a quick shorthand of the model to help people because the actual model is, is a bit complicated and, and can mm-hmm. take some time to really come, come to understand. But I just kind of shortened the essence of it, the spirit of it down into three words, notice, know, and need. So if we mm-hmm. were going to use that with someone's resistance, first thing I mm-hmm. would do would invite them to just say, could you just notice the resistance right now? And could you just notice where it's showing up in or around your body for a moment? And so we might direct our attention inward and let's say that they notice the resistance showing up in their heart and their throat. And they say, well, I'm noticing my throat is closing and my heart is kind of racing and I've got some tension in my shoulders. Okay. So that's where the resistance is living in the body at that moment. So what we're going to say is, would it be okay to just welcome that resistance for a moment? Really let it be here. Maybe just send some loving kindness to it because that's what our core self does. It sends loving kindness and compassion and connection to all of our parts. 
And so once we've been able to notice, which is the first word, notice the part of us with an open heart, let it know that it's welcome. Then I'm going to say, could you ask the resistance what it wants you to know about itself and why Mm. it has gotten activated right now? And so literally we will just ask that part of our body or ask inside, you know, Hey, resistance, what do you want me to know about you? What do you want me to know about why you showed up right now? Why you're feeling activated? And then we wait. And that's key because if you're like me, I have thinking parts that want to figure it out and then tell me what the right answer is. (laughs) Analyze it all. Yeah. Well, the resistance must be here because of X, Y, Z. So it's not coming from a thinking part. We're literally asking the resistance to tell us about itself. Just like we would respectfully of any person who showed up and said, I have a problem with what we're doing. We'd say, oh, tell me about that. And what we'll notice is that we'll get a sense. It's not like we're hearing audible voices, but we'll get an image in our mind's eye of a memory or we'll get a sense or we'll get um, a word or something will just come to our minds and we'll get this idea of why the resistance is there. Usually it's something like you're exhausted and if you keep pushing forward, I don't think you can keep going. I, you mm. need to stop. And I'm the only thing stopping you because you're not listening to anything else. And I'm trying to help you not completely crash. Yeah. And so, wow, we now understand the positive intent of the resistance. And we can ask it, is there anything else you want me to know about you? When in my life did you first have to take on this job? trying to help me by resisting things. And we might get an early memory of a time when we tried to resist something that was harming us. And we get a sense of when that part first became burdened with this job of resistance. And so once we've learned everything that the resistance wants us to know, then we can move to the third word, which is need. So we'll just ask the resistance, is there anything that you need from me right now to feel just a little more comforted, a little bit less activated? Mm -hmm. And again, we just ask the question. We don't try to figure it out. We just wait. And what we'll often get is this sense, and it may be internal, it may be external. A lot of times these parts um, are moved against by all of our inside, everything inside of us and everything outside of us. And a lot of times the part just wants a hug, literally. It just wants to run into your arms. You just get this image of this part that just wants a hug and it just wants to rest. It's trying so hard to help and everybody hates it. Or maybe we might get a sense that it needs us to do something outside of ourselves, like set a boundary or ask for help or use our voice. And if we would do that, it wouldn't have to be so activated. Mm. And so in that way, when we move toward our parts with curiosity and compassion, we notice them with compassion. We ask them what they want us to know, and we ask what they need. We can much more effectively navigate our struggles and regain Mm -hmm. access to that core self Then when we move against them and get in a parts battle that just leads to escalating warring internally. Totally. Yeah. And it's supported by a lot of culture about, especially around art and creativity, like push through. um, Yeah. Just the, you know, war, the art of war. No. Yes. The war of art. The war of art. 
And um, that idea, yeah, that the, these are enemies that need to be overcome as opposed to parts that need to be soothed yeah. and need to have their needs met. Well, and that's a really important point because unfortunately, many of these um, really wonderful parts have had a lot of name calling um, happen to them. They've really been kind of bullied in the larger culture um, wow. because they are, if you think about it, they're, they're, they're called like the devil, the enemy, yes. uh, things yes. that we need to get rid of, get, you know, lock in the basement, like do terrible things to these young parts that are really trying to help us instead of listening to them and caring about what it is they're trying to help with. And um, that kind of name calling, hateful stuff that they've heard their lives causes them to feel very resistant and like they have to strengthen even more. So if we really want our resistance to become stronger, we can call it Satan, you know, and something that we need to squash or (laughs) repent of or whatever it is rebuke rebuke right and this part's like please don't rebuke me i am literally the only thing keeping you from complete and utter destruction (laughs) yes yeah yeah i love that you said that i think that that has was a huge uh revelation for me i don't think i would have been able to say it so succinctly but just that like oh like the war really is over (laughs) Like we can relax and Jesus was never like, oh my gosh, there's so many broken people. How can I get to all of them? Like, and what are we going to, like, how are we going to just save it? Oh, this is, you know, he was just so relaxed, so regulated in his nervous system, so in his self energy. And he was just with people. Yes. Well, and if you really look at the essence of the message of all of scripture, and I'm, Jesus is very clear. He's like, people, this whole honking big old Bible thing, if you just want it in one sentence, like one word, here it is, love. <laughs> and yeah. love people the way I've loved you. And what I would say is love all parts of you the way I love them. Jesus yeah. was a move toward kind of guy. He moved yeah. toward the lepers. He moved toward the prostitutes. He moved toward the storm. He moved toward the cross. Jesus was, Jesus was all about moving toward the tough stuff. And when he yeah. said, go and do as I have done for you, that means move toward with love and compassion, all the tough stuff inside. And yes. we have to start there or we will never be able to offer outside of ourselves what we cannot offer inside of ourselves. Yes, yeah. absolutely. It's really, um, we talked a little bit about this before, but I had mentioned I wanted to talk a little bit about worship leading because in Christian creative, you know, culture, there's a lot of worship leaders or like worship leaders on the side or, or people who get really filled up through worship leading. And, um, it's definitely been my whole, since I was 15, my whole life. And it made it very, very confusing. Mm -hmm. It was what led to my breakdown was because I, had been told that it was, um, the reason I was having panic attacks was because there was an enemy who was trying to take my destiny. Mm -hmm. And so I just, it made me a really good worship leader, to be honest, because I was like, well then here we go. And (laughs) I would just get louder (laughs) and more powerful and louder until I just could not sustain it. And my body just kind of gave out. And so 
And then we ended up leaving, you know, for a while to figure things out. But coming back around to it and really deciding, like, the church is something that I think the potential of is so beautiful. And I really want to be a part of that. It's made it really confusing to come back into because I'll almost feel like I'll be singing a song and it'll just be like, oh, this just feels so good and I'm so connected. And then there will be one line about how undeserving I am of the love of God and I'm out of it. I'm like, what? (laughs) And um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Just especially I'm fascinated by the idea that you are a worship leader. That's just (laughs) so fascinating. Um, Yeah. What do you think? Do you have any thoughts off the top of your head about any of that? Yes. Well, it is complicated, um, as you've described, to deconstruct and then reconstruct and try to enter back into some similar environments. And we are going to get triggered. Triggering just means our parts get activated. And that happens all over the place. But what you're describing in that moment is this deep connection to self in a worshipful experience, this really flow state. And then a part of you hears something that carries a message that isn't congruent for your system. And it Mm -hmm. shuts that down. It says, no, no, this is not safe. We are not Mm going to just wide open, allow that into us because that message we're good with everything else, but that piece of it is not true. And so when we know that, ah, this is a part that's protecting me from that, we can work with that internally and we can say, Hey, Mm. thank you for wanting to help me. You know, I get it. That piece is not really congruent with where I am. What do you need from me to feel a little more comforted right now. And it may be that that part needs us imaginally to put that phrase in a bubble and send it out. Um, it may, it may be that that part needs us to just, um, you know, listen for the rest of the song. It, who knows what that part may need, but there's a variety of ways that we can really honor the protective, um, interest of that part that got triggered and really understand mm. the wisdom of why it's trying to take over yeah. in that moment because something no longer felt safe. And that flow yeah. state is a deeply unguarded, yep. um, wide open state. And it's not always right. wise um, to be just wide open. <laughs> right. Totally. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We've used that. I've used that analogy of... Um... You know, if a lion really was chasing you, it wouldn't be smart to be like, let's just be grateful right now. That's let's right. Just be wide open, trusting. That's right. Happy. Um, yeah. So you're saying like even just using those opportunities for further integration. I think what I realized was that with issues in my own upbringing and like the generations before me, the church became my family in so many ways, which is why it was so hurtful to be hurt by the church. But I wouldn't necessarily say that that was, I don't think it's the job of the church to make me feel safe. I think that's my ultimate job that like, I want to be the, I want to be there for my parts. And that helped me take some of the pressure off of being involved in an imperfect system with imperfect people, because we're all trying our best and it's our, our sole job and in connection with God and with support, of course, if needed to, to feel safe. I think where it also gets complicated is in the words I sing over people as a worship leader. Mm -hmm. 
and recognizing that maybe we need to write some new worship songs. <laughs> yes. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. yeah. And you, you have part of self, part of that authentic self, one of those C words, two of them it are clarity and courage. And that's not just sort of a Zen smell the roses state. That can be the, um, the change making, um, advocating for justice and righteousness and um, standing up and saying, these things are not landing well in my system. May we offer something different. I will choose to not participate if this is what I'm being asked to do. Um, mm -hmm. Wish you well, that is not congruent for me. But there is deep clarity and deep courage that is change-making in the, in the quality of self. And it's very strong. It can be very strong. It can also be very tender. But when needed, it can be incredibly courageous. And that's a yeah. beautiful thing, too. It's very discerning. And it's from self that we have really wise and healthy boundaries. And not from our burdened parts, uh, which is why yeah. boundaries are often a whole big, difficult situation. Um, right. But yeah, I really, I really appreciate and value what you're saying that this new clarity, new wisdom that mm -hmm. you have access to can be really a, a beautiful change making offering for your faith community. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, um, I love that you said that. I feel like I'm going to be thinking about that because it can feel so frustrating and bring up helpless parts of me. Yes. And the truth is that when I do feel really grounded in my authentic self, it feels like um, exciting and it feels needed and feels like the potential is endless. Yeah. And also there's that, like, we have time. Like there's, there's justice and there's like things that like get me fired up and like, it's all right. Like we've got time. Yes. We're all going to be okay in the meantime while things are working out. That's exactly right. And a fabulous little IFS hack, if you're interested. Yes. I love this. This is a little IFS phrase. What's in the way is the way. Mm. And I first heard that from Bob Falconer, but it's a fabulous IFS phrase, but it's, but it's an even more fabulous IFS reality that when we are not connected to that core self energy, which we can't just go around all day connected to core self energy. Like we need to have different parts that are helping us through our day. Not all of our parts, by the way, are burdened. So, um, mm. but if we check in and we notice, wow, I'm not feeling calm, curious, connected, creative, compassionate, you know, all those C words, then we just know, Hey, I've got a part that's blended. That's kind of taken over. And that then becomes the way. And so we take what IFS calls a U-turn we direct our attention to ourselves, not to other people or outside of us. We do a U-turn and we can notice no and need. So when we get blended or taken over by those vulnerable ones, like you were mentioning, we can say, ah, I'm noticing I'm not feeling calm, curious, compassionate. We notice, ah, that feels like it's in the way. That is the way. Take a U-turn and notice it with compassion. Yeah. What it wants wow. us to know and see what it needs. Yes. Yeah. Wow. I wonder if you could mention what the self is um, from a Christian context. You talked about the Imago Dei. Mm -hmm. um, is that right? Yes, Imago exactly Dei, right. God? Okay. Because yeah. Christians, I know, get hung up on 
the yeah. self, the self energy is like, sounds just so yeah. out there to so many of my conservative <laughs> friends. <laughs> totally. People have a really hard time, which is part of the reason that I wrote the book Altogether You. Oh, because, you did such a good job. Oh, thank you. I wanted to kind of yeah. translate, if you will, the IFF right. words and concepts into a way that people of, of Christian um, upbringing could understand and make sense of, because even the word self in many faith communities is like the equivalent of sin. It's fleshly, it's bad, it's all the bad things. So um, in there's a word for this in, in every faith tradition. And in, in Christianity or Catholicism, we would call it the Imago Dei, the image of God within us. In Hinduism, it's Atman. In Buddhism, it's Buddha nature. And mm-hmm. it can be prana, flow, chi. There's lots of words for that same thing. It doesn't really matter. You could call it Fred. But um, it really <laughs> matter what we call it, it doesn't really change what it is. It is this essence within us. It's an energetic presence within all of us that is fundamentally undamaged because it is the image of God. So it cannot be damaged. And it holds the power to heal. And it is the connection to the greater divine outside of us. It is that place through which we connect with the greater capital G God. And it is the seed of our authentic spirituality. And, Mm. um, And that can be a comfort when we translate that to a familiar word for people from whatever faith tradition they may be emerging. But the reason that Dick Schwartz called it self is because as he was getting to know his clients' different parts, when they all felt respected and heard and sort of settled back, all the clouds parted and and self-energy emerged, he would ask the clients, well, what part of you is that? And every single one of them said, well, it's not really a part, it's just myself. So he Mm. called it self. So it doesn't really have any threatening connotations, but it's helpful to translate so that we can all kind of know what we're talking about. Yes. I just, I really could ask you so many more questions and I'm sure every podcast goes like this, (laughs) but I'm just wondering, uh, where can people find you and find your work? Well, they are welcome to come to my website, which is movetoward.com. And I have a ton of free resources there. I have guided meditations to help people connect with their difficult parts. Mm -hmm. I have courses. I have all sorts of free resources. Um, and, uh, people can find me on insight timer, which is a free, um, meditation app, the largest, I believe Mm -hmm. in the world. And I have, um, Mm -hmm. lots of meditations, IFS meditations there. And so I just welcome people to, um, to come check me out. And I've got lots of resources on the website. And of course the two books all together, you, which is IFS and Christianity. And then my second book, which is called altogether us, which is Mm -hmm. uh, basically IFS integration with every topic under the sun. So how do we use IFS with our sexuality? What about parenting? How about Mm. being in a coupleship? What about addiction? What about um, polyvagal theory, EMDR? What about, you know, um, key populations that we are often marginalized, um, LGBTQ and trans communities and, Uh, All the many, just every topic that we could possibly think of is in there. And so that's the the second book. And I'm currently working on the third book, which is, wait for it, move toward, move toward. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. That's a big undertaking, IFS in relation to everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, not probably everything, but it is it is almost 700 pages and every chapter is a standalone little snippet. So if you're interested in, for okay. example, how do I use IFS to help with my addiction? You can read those 30 pages with really key takeaways mm. at the end and handouts and just easy ways to apply it. Or if you're interested in, could this help my marriage or my parenting, you can go read those 30 pages and take those handouts. So you can really pick and choose. It's kind of like a um, like a charcuterie board and you can have yeah. carrots <laughs> and hummus and leave the radishes if you like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And I'm so, so glad that I got to be able to talk to you about all the things that I sort of hoped like what does she think about worship leading? What, what, how does this fit in with, with all of that? I just, um, yeah, love this conversation. So thank you everyone for listening. I wish you emotionally sustainable creativity and I hope that you have such a great day. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Heal Create podcast. If you have enjoyed this podcast at all, we would love if you would subscribe, rate it, send it to your friends. That would really help us get this message out, this message of empowering people towards emotionally sustainable creativity. Also, we have a PDF for you. So there's an exercise that I created called Inspiration Mirroring. And basically, it is for those that are looking to get acquainted with their authentic, truest self, based on the idea that whatever inspires you embodies your potential. And so if you want to get started on that journey today of really understanding who you are at your core, the person that you hope you are, then you can go to the link in my bio on Instagram or go to my website and download that PDF. I think that's all. Have a beautiful day.